the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Sunday, July 21st, 2019, and today we've got to talk about a, a subject that has been terrifying, terrifying uh, so many Americans for actually decades. And so we'd like to kind of get to the bottom of this and see what's uh, going on. So this is uh, bovine spongiform encephalopathy or the prion disease, or mad cow disease, or Jacob Kruppfeldt disease. So all of these names are names for the same thing. But before we go too far, we're going to check out Facebook and say hello. All right, here we are. We're going to go live. Yay, hit that button. Can you believe it? It's working. This is amazing. Okay. Hi, Facebook. Let's move our screens over here so we can see. All right, so uh, bovine spongiform encephalopathy. This is something called mad cow disease, and this is the reason, the reason that uh, the United States government has decided to ban, prohibit, or limit the consumption or sale of cow brains for human consumption. So this is this is the reason. So we're going to take a look at the uh, kind of reasoning behind this. What is uh, this prion disease and what's going on? All right, so thank goodness the government has given us a little bit of help with this. They have actually established a website Yep, the website for the National Institutes of Health, which is the authority, the authority of information on all matters uh, medical. It's the National Institute of Health, yes, health, and so they give you information, uh, well, for your health. And then uh, we can also uh, consult as well Medscape, and Medscape is a, another uh, mouthpiece of authoritative information for the medical industrial complex. So we're only going to consult these two sources. Authority sources in the industry, pro-healthcare, pro-medicine, and by golly, if they say it, guess what? We're going to believe it. And so that's what we're going to do today. So the first thing to um, get at is what is mad cow disease? And I'm going to put this in like serious, like straightforward English language. So mad cow is, is a disease where cows literally go mad. They lose their mind and they go mad. And so the story goes, the uh, human being that eats the brain of that cow that has just lost its mind, that human will then lose its mind and go crazy and die. Okay. So that is itself, that's in a nutshell, the disease. And now... If we take this a little further, then, 
we want to ask, well, uh, how is this disease uh, transmitted? How do uh, cows get this disease? And so what has been deduced is that the cow raising industry don't ask me why, how, or what, but they did. They ground up cows and fed them to other cows. And this practice then, sometimes an infected brain was ground up, and of course it's fed to many cows. Like, you know, who knows, thousands of cows would eat one brain, right? A little bit of it ground up in the feed. And then this is where mad cow disease comes from. Now, there's a few things wrong with this theory, right? <laughs> First and foremost, uh, if you can grind up the brain of one cow and feed it to 100 cows, then there should be hundreds, if not thousands, of cows that are infected with this contagious disease. So the, the premise of this mad cow disease is that it is spread by an agent that is infectious. Okay. Now, let's just, let's go with this, let's believe this, let's say it's true, that means a cow can ingest this organism through its mouth. Okay, you with me? The organism goes in the cow's mouth into all five of its stomachs, or maybe one or two. Then it gets absorbed into the cow's blood, and then it circulates to the cow's nervous system, penetrates the cow's blood-brain barrier. Yes, they have one too. And then infects the cow's brain. And at some point in this cycle... This is an infection, right? So this organism, must be a parasite, has got to start reproducing. So then let's just say for sake of discussion that it gets into the cow's brain, it reproduces, and it damages the cow's brain. And then, of course, that cow's brain, when fed to a human or to another cow, is going to propagate the mad cow disease. But wait. Okay, so we've, so we've got that figured out. But now the government has said if you find one infected cow in a herd, you have to kill the whole herd. Well, why would you do that? Well, you would do that because maybe, maybe, there's another mode of transmission like, you know, cow to cow, cow to cow. Uh, now, I have uh, had the luxury of living in a jungle and walking by or even through cow pastures to get to where I'm going. And I've noticed something about these cows. Now, this is not factory farming cows. These are just cows, and they have lots of space. But they don't get that close to each other, number one. Number two, they don't engage in grooming behavior. So one cow is not licking another cow and, um, you know, not like cats and dogs. So there's none of this grooming behavior going on. All the cows do is eat grass and poo. That's it. Eat grass and poo. And um, they're segregated by gender, right? So you have a bull that's over there somewhere until it's time to reproduce. And that's it. The reason I say this is because there's really only kind of like one or two ways for the cow to get this disease. They could get it from the air. We scratch that as a, as a source because if cows got it from the air, then every cow would get it. And even humans would get it. They wouldn't have to eat a cow to get it. Okay, so cross it off, not the air. 
Well, they could get it from the food they eat, okay? So that's grinding up the animal feed to feed it to a, a cow. And they could get it uh, from another cow. How would they get it from another cow? Well, mm, uh, mm. maybe sex, but no, because you have all these same gender cows, right? Um, so you don't have a heterosexual herd. And then the the steers have all been castrated, so we don't have no, so there's no sexual tr- opportunity for sexual transmission. So really, the only opportunity for cow to cow spread is for one cow to eat the feces of another cow. Now down here, that look never would happen really because one, there's so much space between cows, and two, there's so much rain that the grass is very well cleaned. But in factory farming, you could accidentally have one cow eating the other cow's feces just because, well, you know, they're so close together. All right, so we figured out then it's pretty darn hard to get cow-to-cow transmission because of the way cows are uh, farmed. All right, so hypothesis of origin, this is how, how it started. So different hypotheses are proposed regarding the origin of bovine spongiform encephalopathy. And the reason it's a different hypothesis is because there's no evidence, conclusive evidence for any one hypothesis. So we're now walking into that no cause, no cure room, right? So the cause is the prion, but we don't know how it got there. Okay, so the most compelling hypothesis means the one that's uh, most people believe is this from Scrapey an endemic spongiform encephalopathy of sheep and goats that has been endemic in Europe since the mid-18th century. But wait, we're now getting really confused because we're saying, well, the bovine spongiform encephalopathy comes from scrapie, and scrapie is spongiform encephalopathy. So we're saying the thing comes from itself, that it doesn't have a source where it comes from. That's like if I say, well, where does Billy come from? You would say, well, Billy comes from his parents, right? Billy doesn't come from Billy. Billy comes from his parents. Well, in this case, we're saying Billy comes from Billy. So we're totally in the, we've now stepped into the realm of, again, plain English, call it nonsense. Okay, but we're not going to stop it. Let's, let's just go along with this. So this has been going on since the mid-18th century. Well, well, that's a long time, mid-18th century. That's like, uh, you know, over 100 years, right? So it's since spread to most sheep breeding countries and is widespread in the U.K., where until 1988, the rendered carcasses of livestock, including sheep, were fed to ruminants, that would be cows, and other animals as a protein-rich supplement. The epidemic, the epidemiologic data appear to implicate, that means appear, appear means it looks like it, implicate means it suggests. So we now have a suggestion of a suggestion. Are you understanding me? We have totally taken at least two big steps away from any scientific evidence. They're saying, hey, we have no proof. We just kind of have a suggestion of a suggestion. Okay. Okay, so we think think it's TSE contaminated meat. So meat contaminated with this spongiform encephalopathy and bone meal, which was used as a protein source. Stop right now. So if it's contaminated meat... That means it can be spread by eating infected meat, the flesh of an infected animal. All right? So put that in your brain. We're going to get back to that. And bone meal. That means if you boil up those bones for bone broth, by golly, you got it. All right. 
which was used as a protein source. The causative agent is suspected to be from either sheep or cattle with previously unidentified disease. All right. So you grind the sheep or the cattle and has this disease. So they've already established this disease is in the bones and in the muscle of these animals. All right? We got that. So changes in the rendering process took place in the early 80s, um, especially the removal of a solvent extraction process that included a steam heat treatment, probably allowing the, the etiologic agent to survive, contaminate the protein supplement, and infect cattle. So what they're saying is they stopped the steam heat treatment in the 1980s. I was in medical school in the 1980s. I want you to know that. Okay, I was in medical school. And in medical school in the 1980s, and this is the early 80s, 1979 to 83, okay? In other words, this was concurrent with and slightly before this practice that they believe caused the disease was adopted. So in medical school, 1979-83, I was taught all about this illness being caused by feeding cattle to cattle. In 1979-83, I was taught all about this disease that we're talking about today, all about this prion-related disease. And so the reason I say this to you is because if this theory is correct, that it was started by early 1980s practice, which would be, let's call it 1982, how could my professor sitting in my classroom in 1979 or 80 have known anything about this when the first cattle had yet to eat contaminated feed because the feed was still being steam treated? Kind of like Building 7 and 9-11 falling after they announced that it fell, something like that. All right, but we're not, we, you know, we, we, it still gets even more curious. So recycling of infected carcasses within the cattle population, turning the vegetable-eating cows into animal cannibals, amplified the levels of, of the pathogen, which had become adapted to cattle. All right, so they're, they're telling you that this, whatever this agent is that's causing the infection has multiplied and been amplified and reproduced and the levels of it are getting higher and higher in the animals and it's become adapted to cattle. All right, so this is a pretty detailed story when there's like no evidence, right? They're, they're telling you there's no evidence because they're telling you it's a suggestion of a suggestion and the evidence, information they have suggests there's nothing conclusive. Right, so not conclusive. So we've got all these theories out there, and nothing has been proven. All right. So do you get the feeling that this organism is pretty plentiful? It's like it's growing, it's getting bigger, it's coming to get us. All right, all right. Just, just want to make sure that we're on the same page here. Okay. Similarly, the spread of this illness in farmed milk. And zoo animals may have resulted from prion contaminated feed. Okay, so now they're saying this organism was present in milk. 
Oh, sorry, mink. Farmed mink. Excuse me. And farmed mink and captive zoo animals. May have resulted from prion contaminated feet. So we're getting the picture here then that this disease all of a sudden is exclusive to cultivated animals that are fed by humans. Okay. An alternative hypothesis was proposed in the controversial, that means nobody agreed, final bovine spledging form encephalopathy inquiry report in the UK. So again, if there's scientific proof, why is there no agreement? And they're very clear there's no scientific proof. All right. In October 24, 2000, suggesting that a pathogen, that means disease-causing, mutation. Let's look at mutation and make sure we, we've, got, we've got this right. So what is a mutation? Uh, so a mutation is a change that occurs in DNA sequences, okay? you got to understand that you can only have a mutation if you have DNA. So, uh, they decided that the recycling of cattle, cattle eating cattle is a problem. The report asserts that these cases identified from 1986 to 1988 were not index cases, and they were not the result of the transmission of scraping. Again, I can tell you, I went to medical school 79 to 83 before any of these causative hypotheses could have happened, yet they were already postulating human cases of this disease. All right. Recognition of the source of infection led to several countermeasures to break the cycle of cattle reinfection, restrict the geographic spread, and eliminate the potential source of new infection. The most important step was banning ruminant feed in 1988, extending it to include the feeding of specified bovine ophile, that means cow organs. By 1992, this ban started to bring the epidemic under control, seeing the image below. So it took four years at least to see any results of supposedly stopping the transmission. So within weeks of identifying the first case of this cow disease, so National Surveillance was instituted in Britain in 1990, despite the lack of evidence of human acquisition of scrapie based on the then speculative grounds that exposure of millions of Britons to an apparently new bovine infectious organism might unmask low-frequency transmission in humans. Unfortunately, this fear proved to be well-founded. The first case of variant disease, initially called new variant, was reported in 1995. By 1996, 10 patients, and this is all in Britain, by the way, none of it in the United States. Okay, so you have enough information here to realize we're dealing with a, a thought about a thought about a thought. But let's take a look at the um, National Institute of Health. This is the United States Department of Health and Human Services. They get some information, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty clear. So we're going to go to commercial, and when we come back, we'll talk more. No, please don't go. I don't want to stay here on my own. 
Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now, but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then common core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge. And knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. It's happening, ladies and gentlemen. We here at RBN are working with Front Sight Firearms Training Institute to bring our audience the best in combat, tactical, and defensive firearms training. Whether you're a private citizen who is new to firearms or you have a concealed weapon permit and want a level of training that surpasses what you've received from your local gun range, Front Sight provides priceless education and skills taught by seasoned law enforcement, military, and private citizen instructors to levels that far exceed law enforcement and military standard. With nearly a million responsible citizens trained from every town, city, and state from across the United States, Front Sight has bolstered the Patriot movement to a whole new level. Contact Dan Sutterfield by phone at 573-762-2356 or 573-465-2356 or shoot him an email at domedan, D-O-M-E-D-A-N, at hotmail.com. This is a limited-time opportunity. Don't miss it. Give such delight. We all before Hi, this is Dr. Daniels, and welcome back to Healing with Dr. Daniels. Alrighty. So we're going to take a look at the U.S. government website on prion disease, Jacob Krugfeldt's disease, scrapie, and mad cow disease. See if we can, like, sort this out. All right, so we have established that cows go mad and die. People eat the brains of these cows go mad and die. And from our Medscape source, we know that this infectious agent is also in the muscle meat of these animals. Okay, let's see what the National Institute of Health has to say. So they have a summary, which is good. 
Kreutzfeldt disease, rare, deadly brain disorder that usually occurs later in life. It runs a rapid course. In the early stages of the disease, patients may have failing memory, behavior changes, impaired coordination, and vision problems. Stop right there. So if you have a disease that is transmitted by an infectious agent, why would it be limited to later in life? Why would it be limited to whatever later in life is? Uh, later in life in uh, medical school was over 65, just saying. But again, this is we're, we're getting pretty vague here already. All right, so if it progresses, mental deterioration becomes severe, and it can have uncontrolled movements, blindness, weakness, and go into a coma. Sounds like old age in the U.S. to me. The condition often leads to death within a few weeks or months after symptoms begin. So 90% of patients do not survive for more than one year. That's after symptoms begin. The question is, how long were they infected before symptoms began? Oh, well. In the United States, about 300 people are diagnosed with this condition each year. For your information, there's 330 million people in the United States, so it's definitely less than one in a million. It occurs in, one in, one, in every one million people worldwide. Okay. So Jacob Kutzel disease can be very difficult to diagnose because it's similar to two other forms of dementia. The only way to conf- is similar to any other form of dementia. The only way to confirm the diagnosis is to test a small sample of brain tissue, <laughs> which can be done by brain biopsy or autopsy after you, die, after you die. This is caused by the buildup of abnormal prion proteins in the brain. For most patients, the reason for the abnormal prion is unknown, sporadic. So we have 300 cases a year, and for most of those 300, we don't know, or as you say, the government doesn't know how it started. 10% of cases are due to inherited genetic mutation associated with CJD, familial CJD. Now, this condition can be also be acquired through contact with infected brain tissue. There's your beef brain, okay? So you can get it through infected brain tissue. Well, well, well if it's genetic, then how do you get it through brain tissue? Is it, is it infectious or is it genetic? I don't know. We're consuming infected beef. That would be the actual flesh, like a steak. There's no specific treatment for CJD, so the goal is to make a person as comfortable as possible. So there's no treatment for this. And let's go even further. Let's take a look at the cause. We've got no treatment. we got that part. So some researchers believe an unusual slow virus. So why do they believe? Why, why don't they know? Or other organism causes this disease. However, they have never been able to isolate a virus or other organism in anyone with the disease. I'll repeat that. <laughs> they have never been able to isolate a virus or other organism in people with the disease. So wait, how can something be how can something mutate or have a DNA change? when it doesn't have any DNA because you can't find it. And if you can't find it, how do you know it exists? Well, it exists because I say so, even though we can't find it. Whoa, 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 that's not science. Now we're off into sorcery, witchcraft, voodoo, the very thing that modern medicine was presented as the solution to. Okay, so we've now nailed it down The United States government has spoken. No organism causing mad cow disease has ever been isolated. 
That's it. No organism. There's no organ ever been isolated. So now we're back into that no cause, no cure circle. You know, get you familiar? Is it, feel, is it feeling familiar to you? But this is important. You have an infectious disease that spread from cow to people or people to people or cows to cows. No identified organism. You got strep throat. Where's the strep? Yes, C. difficile, clustered in difficile, isolate the organism, there it is. So now we have, we have a disease, it's deadly, and it's going to get you. But we have isolated no organism that causes it, even though it's said to be infectious. Okay. The leading scientific theory at this time maintains that Truthfeld Jacob disease, mad cow disease, and other spongiform encephalopathies are caused by a type of protein caused a prion, called a prion. But we mentioned before that the prion protein is the effect of the organism. So that's like someone slicing you with a knife, you now have this open bleeding wound. And someone says, well, what caused the open bleeding wound? So, well, the open bleeding wound caused the open bleeding wound. Going back to commercial, and hopefully we get back. We can get some more. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Many people write us about their experience with Extendivite. Allow me to read you some from Amazon.com. It really does work like the review says it does. I cannot believe that after the first few days, I didn't feel as sluggish or clogged up. It has had a profound impact on my physical, emotional well-being. I'm skeptical as most people about products and their claims, and I never write reviews. But this is a wonderful product, and I recommend it to everyone. Great product. It has brought my blood pressure from the mid-150s over the 80s to the mid-130s over mid-80s. Along with diet and exercise in just the past couple of months. Excellent. Thank you, David. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. Call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. 
So, have you heard of heavy metals? I'm not talking about the heavy metals in the junkyard. I'm talking about the heavy metals that build up in your body. Heavy metals in your body can make you feel sluggish, fatigued, and just plain off. Why not try Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com? Cleansing your body and making you feel great. No, not cleansing the outside of your body, but cleansing the inside of your body of intruders that sneak their way into you and set up an intruder camp. Life Change Tea helps remove unwanted intruder camps. Brew it, steep it, and drink in the results. Tastes great so you can create a new health habit. Our tea loves to help people. It just needs the chance. So order yours today by logging on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Our life change super strength tea is waiting. This could be a beautiful relationship. Take charge of your health. Order at getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. All righty. So we're talking about mad cow disease. We have identified that the organism that causes mad cow disease has not been identified. We have identified that. But now the uh, the website the government provides is really they I mean they get really into it. So the leading scientific theory is that the prions cause prions. Okay, gotcha. So prion proteins occur in a normal, in both a normal form, which is a harmless protein found in body cells, and in an infectious form, which causes disease. The harmless and infectious forms of the protein have the same sequence of amino acids. Are you feeling me? But the infectious form of the protein takes a different folded shape from the normal protein. Sporadic Kreutzfeldt-Jacob disease may develop because of some person's normal prions spontaneously changing into the infectious form of the protein, and then ask the prions in other, and then alter the prions in other cells in a chain reaction. How superstitious is this? This is like you have a classroom of 26 kids. They're all doing great, things are fine. Then one kid says, "Hmm, I'm going to misbehave," and then all the other Kids look at him and say, oh, we're going to misbehave too. Boom! You now have mad cow disease. You have one protein recruiting tons of other proteins to misbehave in the same way. Notice you do not have any reproduction. This, this prion that incites the whole riot, so to speak, itself does not give birth to another protein. So we have an infectious agent that does not have the ability to reproduce. Just slam the brakes right there, all right? Slam on the brakes. So we have one little agent that can cause millions of other, one little protein, identical to all these other proteins, that can cause the other proteins to misbehave or to malfunction. Of course, logic would tell you that what's more likely is there's a nutrient missing, like maybe a trace trace mineral or something, and that the proteins are not able to maintain their proper folded shape, which is what they all have to do to function properly. So you have, let's say, a deficiency of a nutrient needed to maintain that shape. Then, of course, one protein is going to melt down, and then 
as the deficiency deepens or worsens, more and more proteins are going to melt down. But, and this would also be consistent, by the way, with the disease taking as long as 40 years, 40 years to spread to a lethal uh, problematic state. But no, they're postulating instead an infectious agent that they cannot find, they cannot reproduce, can't be isolated, can't be put in culture. You, you finding you with me? Okay. So sporadic um, disease develops because some of a person's normal proteins spontaneously change into the infectious form of the protein, and then after the proteins and other cells do the same, it's a chain reaction. So again, this is not an infection in the sense that you have a living organism entering a person's body and reproducing and taking that person's nutrients. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is you have one protein that fails to function properly, and all of a sudden, boom, more and more proteins fail to function. Well, I won't say everybody knows, but anyone who went to medical school knows that proteins, their shapes, are maintained by cross-linking and by basically trace minerals. So the dissolving of these cross-links causing the proteins to collapse has a very simple cause, malnutrition, duh, but wait. Okay, so once they appear, abnormal proteins aggregate or clump together. Investigators think these protein aggregates may lead to neuron loss and other brain damage seen in the disease. However, they do not know exactly how this damage occurs. So they know there's damage. They don't know how it occurs. Well, if you don't know how it occurs, then you can't postulate a cause. Okay, so we're getting into a bunch of like really big I don't knows. So 10% of all cases arise from mutation or change in the gene that controls the formation of the normal protein. So now we have a genetic change in the human being that's producing a protein that's not doing quite well. While prions and cells do not contain genetic information, okay, that do not contain genetic information, this means they can't reproduce. This means they can't fulfill any of conscious postulates for an infection. They do not require genes to reproduce themselves. Infectious prions can arise if a mutation occurs in the gene for the body's normal protein, prion protein. So now, we understand prion proteins occur nor normally in the body. But what we're getting at here is there is no cause of this disease. No virus, no bacteria, no fungus, nothing has been isolated to cause this disease in about 90 to 95% of cases. And then they say, even when they find the genetic mutation, not all people with the mutations in the protein develop the disease. So are you getting here? Are you with me here? So the prion, the abnormal prion can be present or absent, and the disease can be there or not. So there's not a cause and effect between it. This is what they're saying. So why don't we go back to the very beginning where all this happened. Of course, they want you to find a specialist, but that's, that's not the point. 
if we go back to how they figured this out, there was a culture where the women ate the brains of their husbands. And it was observed that in this culture, there was this Jacob, Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease. So the United States intervened and says, hey, hey, stop it, stop it. You ladies can't eat the brains of your, of your husbands. And so they stopped that whole practice. That practice has been stopped for 40 years. What do you think? Did the frequency of Jacob Kreutzfeldt disease go up, down, or stay the same? You might have guessed it right. Those of you who said the instance of Jacob Kreutzfeldt disease or Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease was not changed. So eating brains, they stopped the practice of eating brains in this culture, and the instance of disease was unchanged. Unchanged. So, uh, by the way, past surgery, previous blood transfusions, and occupation have not been shown to be associated with increased risk. So that's important to know. So where does this leave us? So epidemiologically, when you stop people from eating cow brains, I mean stop people from eating brains of their relatives, this disease is in no way affected. You look at cultures where eating the brains of cows, like Mexico, for example, uh, or I believe Spain, they don't have a problem with this disease. That's another thing to look at. Where in the world is this disease? Let's open it up. Uh, not, not, not in South America, not in Central America, not in Mexico. All these places where they eat cow brains, no disease. Africa, no disease. China, none. India, they definitely eat cow brains in India. Not all parts, but a lot of parts. Never, not a case. 1989 to 04, no incidence of this disease in countries that eat the brains of cows. And they have never reported, uh, have no reported cases of BSE in cows. So this is very, very interesting. In other words, there's absolutely no support for the theory that eating cow brains causes disease of any kind. And the organism postulated to cause it, there is no evidence of its existence. In other words, there's no genetic material, it's not been isolated, it has never reproduced. So let's go and see what the boogeyman is. The boogeyman is real. The boogeyman is real. So the boogeyman is a mythical, that means pretend, made up, creature used by adults, uh, read your government, to frighten children, read citizens, into good behavior. Yeah. So this mad cow disease is simply a mythical thing used by the government to frighten its children's citizens into what it considers to be good behavior, which is, don't eat those cow brains. <laughs> So the boogeyman has no specific appearance, yeah, fits the prion perfectly, and conceptions vary drastically by household and culture. 
but is commonly depicted as a masculine or androgynous monster that punishes children for misbehavior. And this is exactly, precisely what mad cow disease is, and it's exactly what the prion is. It is mythical, and it's used to frighten people into a certain pattern of behavior, in this case, not eating uh, the brains of cows. Now, so what has happened since the government passed all these laws? Again, I uh, was there, you know, in medicine when all this was going on. And so from 1979 to the present, this disease, still one in a million, one person in a million, um, it has not worsened, it has not spread. And so the, even the epidemiological behavior of the disease has not conformed to any of the theories about the disease. So it's, it's, it's hereditary, it's in the family, it's in a gene, but guess what? People with the gene don't have the disease. People with the disease don't have the gene. So that would say to me there's no cause and effect. The gene does not cause the problem. People with the prion don't have the disease. The disease don't have the prion. Again, prion, not the problem. Um, eating brain, there are places in the world where they eat brain. It's a delicacy, it's part of their diet, and no health problems at all. No, certainly no mad cow disease, no prion disease, no neurological deteriorating disease. The moral of the story is um, there are a lot of, lot of morals here. But number one is you can always just check the government website. They, they tell on their own selves. You know, they're very clear here. They've got a disease, it's got no cause, it's got no cure. Yes, it's infectious, but whoa, that's what infectious disease is all about, that you cannot say something is infectious when you have not identified the vector. When you have not identified the vector, then you have no basis for saying this caused by a uh, disease of any kind or, or, or an organism. Now, Another thing about this uh, Decacoupe-Bell's disease, this, slow, this organism, is they have uh, subjected it, or the material with it, to very high temperatures and found that there's no change. So everything in the world falls in three categories, animal, vegetable, or mineral. And so if you subject something to 1,000 degrees and it's not changed, it's not animal and it's not vegetable, that would leave mineral. What's mineral? Well, let's just say industrial chemicals and additives put in uh, our foods or the feed of, of, of these animals would qualify. So whatever causes mad cow disease, whatever causes uh, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease is environmental. When I say environmental, I mean it's lifestyle related. It is not related to eating a particular uh, food, certainly not cow brain. And again, if it was cow brain, then beef steaks should have the same problem. Cow milk should have the same problem, but it doesn't. So the only thing to be understood about mad cow disease is as a human being in the United States, whether it's Group 12 Jacob disease or mad cow disease, 95% of cases are sporadic, number one. Number two, they are not related to this organism or any organism for that matter. They're not even related to the putative, that means postulated, that means suggested or thought about organism. It's only not related to the consumption of cow brain. 
what the person to do? What should you do? <laughs> well, similarly, there's no need to restrict or, or restrict cow brain from your diet. That's for that's for certain sure. Um, that's number one. Number two, you should um, for all of these cases go to the government website. They'll tell you less than one in a million. And when I was a kid, the word one in a million was a euphemism for it doesn't exist. Don't worry about it. Ain't going to happen. So if something had a chance of one in a million or even less, well, you just forget that. Let me go do whatever I had planned today and not worry myself about it. So that's the mad cow disease story. The mad cow disease story is it's less than one in a million. Don't worry about it. Um, And there's no precautions to take. Certainly not pursuant to cows. Now, the next question is, what should you do about the next government alert? Well, the next government alert, do what I did. Go to the NIH website and ask. This is uh, rarediseases.info.nih.gov. Yeah, this is uh, public. Don't even need a password or membership to enter. In fact, I'll even put this in the uh, Facebook page. And it tells you, never been isolated, never been identified, So there you have it. Personally, I eat cow's brain about eh, five times a week. And I don't think I've been mentally compromised by it. Mm. So there you have it. (laughs) Stephanie says, eat cow brains in Mexico. Yay, Stephanie, yes. They they eat it a lot there. In fact, they even have cow brain taco. They have a special name for it, sesos. Taco de sesos. Amazon has brains that only come in a can. That is not true. They have frozen brains as well. Let me see if I can get you that link. Um, bum, bum, bum. I didn't like that link. Didn't like that one either. All right, we are going to first. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party 
property and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Without the right accessories, any guy can be off the mark. Whether you've invested thousands in your arsenal or you own a single trusted firearm, a visit to aroutfitting.com is in order. It's one of the finest online selections of tactical optics and AR parts and add-ons, like EOTech, quick target acquisition with no peripheral loss. Browse the full range of Nikon scopes and binoculars. Airoutfitting.com can illuminate your world with streamlight gun-mounted lights from keychain to large handhelds up to 1,100 lumens. Find some stability with Battenfield tactical bipods. Airoutfitting.com has CMMG gun parts, barrels, assemblies, handguards, part kits, and more, plus magful clips and magazines. I know I've got you excited, so take a breath. Head to aroutfitting.com. The site's super easy to navigate and features a ton of technical info, including links to manuals. We also welcome vendor and manufacturer inquiries. Remember, if you don't see it, we can get it at aroutfitting.com. Tired of being lied to by mass media? It's growing more and more apparent today that news is received less and less through standard media outlets. Even with a growing audience every day, RBN is beginning to direct more efforts into social media. Social media and the use of the Internet is fast becoming the primary source of people for news, regardless of demographic. RBN has set out to provide some of the best news on the Internet through republicbroadcasting.org and also has begun to use the tools to our advantage by way of social media. Republic Broadcasting is now operating a Facebook page to function as yet another avenue to have our collective voice reach new audiences across not only America, but across the globe as well. The Facebook page features not only news, but also an RBN player to listen to our broadcast. Get involved by visiting Facebook.com slash Republic Broadcasting and liking our page and share it with your friends and family because you can handle the truth. Hi, this is Dr. Daniels, and welcome back to Healing on Dr. Daniels. You are listening, and today we're talking about mad cow disease, real hazard, or boogeyman. And I definitely have to give this one the boogeyman vote. This is just the boogeyman vote. Um, when you have an organism that is postulated as a cause of disease, and you cannot organ- um, isolate the organism, that's it. You're done. Uh if there's no evidence that exists, then you have to go with that evidence, which is it does not exist. So um, I'm hearing noises here. So by the scientific, uh, you know, the science community's own uh, proof or standards of evidence, this disease <coughs> is not caused by an infectious organism simply because the organism has not been identified. Now, we have a lot of other diseases with no cause and no cure, hypertension, diabetes, and arthritis, and a lot of these diseases have been revealed to be simply lifestyle problems. And so Jacob Kruppel's disease sounds like it's shaping up to be the same category. 
All right, Scott, I will look into this brain thing. How do you recommend cooking the brain? Very, very well. Boil at least 30 minutes, and then you can take it from there. Does the amount of water matter when drinking shilajit? Not really. Shilajit tastes not good. So uh, the less water, the better. So you, I just happen to have that much water in the glass. But ordinarily, um, I would use a lot less, like four to six ounces of water. Yeah, you can. Um, so pork brains and beef brains, I found it very helpful. Um, they relieve forgetfulness, any lack of intellectual capacity, uh, emotional issues, depression, anxiety, stress. Whatever function the brain is supposed to be doing that it's like not doing, eating the beef or pork brains helps. Fish brain doesn't seem to work. Some people have tried um, goat brain. That does not seem to be as effective. <laughs> Elishma says, I'm not ready for the pig brains. Laugh out loud. I'm just now working on the cow's feet. <laughs> yes, everyone has to work with where they are. The plan today shows not that you should or sh should not eat the brains of cows or pigs, just that your decision to do so should not be based on government warnings because those warnings are bogus. That's it. A lot of people, uh, you know, hey, they don't like asparagus or they don't like broccoli. Why? Because they don't like it. And that's fine. But to base your not eating it on um, a health warning is not prudent. And so at the next health warning that you get, personally, I disregard all health warnings. I, I'm so, like, up to here with it. Uh, having gone to medical school and passed all my exams and gotten honors and everything, only to find that at least 99% of what I was taught is totally false, I simply just turn off. I don't worry about any of that stuff. So why else do I not worry about Oh, we're going to commercial. I thought I was only dreaming, yeah. I could see them. And then once again. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. 
owner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855, the number two, keep it today. You're listening to 